just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. The legend continues. Welcome to another episode of Ryan's Reviews. I'm your host, James Ryan, and on today's episode of the podcast, I am talking 1978's Jaws 2, uh, directed by Jeannot Swarik, a film that Steven Spielberg was contemplating directing at a few points, uh, but decided not to come back for the sequel, and it is probably a good thing that he did not. It would have been a much, much better movie, I am sure. But Jaws 2 is missing a lot of what made the first film so great. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. I do want to talk about movie releases today. I do want to talk a little bit about the quick takes of the week, the two other movies that I watched. Uh, So here we go. And this is one of the worst possible weeks to go to the movies and that is because the two new movies are both poorly reviewed they are movies that i think very very few people are excited about and those are my big fat greek wedding three uh the first one i remember was just like this cultural event people were just talking about it it was everyone was going to the movies uh the second one was supposedly pretty bad and this third one is supposed to be just as bad if not worse uh so absolutely we'll be skipping this one Uh, The other movie is The Nun 2. Um, I think this is in the Conjuring universe, I think. Or Insidious, I I don't even know um, at this point. But yeah, this movie is not supposed to be good, not surprisingly. uh, And is another example of a studio just, you know what, we're going to make this cheap horror film. It's going to make a lot of money. The quality of it doesn't matter so much. People are going to go and see it. So if you are a fan of the... I didn't even know this was really, I guess you can call it a series now. There are two of them, the Nun series. Have a good time with that, uh, but I will definitely not be going. I am planning on going back to the movie theaters um, probably later this month. It looks as though a lot of movies are still going to come out this year. Dune, like I mentioned on last week's podcast, is pushed back until March. Uh, But it still looks like Killers of the Flower Moon and other big movies that I was excited about are still going to be coming out. Uh, Adam Driver and Michael Mann is directing uh, Ferrari. David Fincher is coming out with a movie uh, with Michael Fassbender in it. Michael Fassbender is back. Um, There are lots of movies to be excited about. And if you want to hear my thoughts and what I'm excited about uh, the rest of the year, next week there is going to be a big fall movie preview Uh, talking about all the movies that are going to be coming out later this year, the ones that I am excited about, the ones that I am not so excited about. I'll be going through the mainstream releases month by month, um, and I will also be going through some of the indies that will be uh, coming out as well, but don't have a release date kind of locked down, uh, but movies that I am very, very excited about. I believe the Venice Film Festival is done at the time of this recording, Um, And a lot of the movies that I'm excited about ended up premiering there. And a lot of them ended up getting very, very good reviews. So uh, definitely excited about what is going to be coming out later this year. Hopefully movies, again, hopefully they they are coming out and hopefully they don't end up getting pushed back. But uh, yeah, we will see. On to quick takes. Mark this, and come what will of it. 
I will fight the man who pretends the hand of Nora Brady. I'll follow him if it's into the church. I'll have his blood. Nor he'll have mine. Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. All three hours of it. This is my second viewing of this movie. Uh, first time I had seen it since college. So it's been well over 10 years. It's a movie that I remembered very little to nothing about. Um, as it got closer to the very, very end of the movie, um, I did start to remember a few things that happened. But yeah, I don't know if I was paying attention in college when I watched this or... Yeah, I don't know, but I had yeah very, very little memory of this movie, um, and it is a very challenging watch from time to time. Um, that being said, I very much enjoyed this movie, mostly due to the camera techniques that were used here, the cinematography, the lighting, which is famously talked about that it was all done by candlelight, um, but upon doing some research, it appears as though that wasn't always the case. They tried to use natural light and candlelight whenever possible, um, but there were times where they didn't do that. And in order to make it look like natural light, they ended up using modern lighting systems. Um, but yeah, they tried to do, go without doing that as much as they possibly could. But yeah, I was under the impression that the entire movie was done with natural light and candles. But nonetheless... This movie is a, yeah, like from a cinematography standpoint, an absolute masterpiece. Um, when it comes to storytelling, this movie, I have a hard time with period pieces, especially when they are telling a story from the 1700s, like this one is. Um, but you have a fascinating character in uh, Redmond Berry, played by Ryan O'Neill here. Um, you don't know quite what to think of him. He is a character that you unless he is blowing up in anger he is kind of you you have to look at his face and kind of figure out how he is feeling there are lots of shots here where it just stays on ryan o'neill's face and sometimes it is a little comical and there definitely are comedic moments to this film especially i would say in the first act um as the film gets towards the end it becomes more serious um, but it's really just about Redmond Barry and the adventures that he goes on, uh, what life has in store for him and how some of the decisions he makes, he make lead him in one direction or another. But it really feels as though things it really feels as though things are out of his control in a lot of ways. And I think that's why he reacts um, in certain ways uh, during this film. Barry Lyndon, when it was released, was not uh, as beloved as it is today. Now people tend to see it for the masterpiece that it is. Uh, I read a Roger Ebert kind of, I don't know when he wrote this essay. It wasn't when Barry Lyndon was released, but years later. And yeah, he was talking about just how great this film is. Um, for me, I just love some of the shots here where Kubrick starts in, he starts in very zoomed in. And then he backs up and really lets you take in the scene. And each one of those scenes, again, this is going to sound corny, but every scene and every shot, really, it feels like a painting. And part of that might be due to the time period here. Um, but I just think from a visual standpoint, this film is just incredible. Um, when it comes to the actual story itself, 
can be hit or miss. I think most people will be bored by this film, to be honest. I feel as though most people will not want to sit through the entirety of this film. Um, but for what it's worth, I think Barry Lyndon is worth checking out. I had a really good time with this film. Um, I can't say that I'm going to watch it again in the future. That might just never happen. Um, but I definitely would watch sequences of it um, just because, like all Kubrick films, it is just a masterpiece when it comes to the filmmaking process. The other movie that I ended up checking out is one that I had been saving for a while, and that is California Split. And the reason I've been saving this one is it is a Robert Altman movie, and I don't have that many Robert Altman movies left to watch. This one also stars Elliot Gould. Months and months ago, I reviewed The Long Goodbye, um, also directed by Robert Altman and also starring Elliot Gould, and I absolutely loved that movie. Uh, that's I haven't seen Elliot Gould in that many things, but that made me just like I like I don't know. I just I watched that movie and I was like, yes, <laughs> he is like the, this character that he was playing in The Long Goodbye, and I should know because I'm so like. I love this movie so much. I should remember what his character's name is. But anyway, the character that he plays in that movie is just so, so good um, and has so many little snide remarks and everything. It's just fantastic. In California Split, it, he, he plays somewhat of a similar character, but this time um, he is this big time gambler. And his character's name is Charlie uh, Waters, and he, he lives with two prostitutes. And he becomes friends with this Bill, this character named Bill Denny, played by George Siegel. I hope that's I hope it's not Siegel. I think it's Siegel. Um, and they just go from place to place, betting on the horses, going to the casino. It is a story about gambling, and most stories about gambling, you kind of know where it's going to go. Where characters you think they're going to just. Again, it's all going to be a downhill slide. This movie kind of goes up and down. Um, and I really liked that. I can't say that I, by the end of it, I was, I, I wasn't thinking this was one of Robert Altman's best films um, by the time I was done with it, but I had a really, really good time with it. I was invested in the characters, and Robert Altman is known for kind of overlapping dialogue, lots of little characters especially if you've seen um and when i say little care i mean like the characters with that are just in for a scene or two but are very very memorable and if you've seen 1975's nashville that is definitely the case uh california split definitely has that and for a, a, I have a feeling that most people listening to this podcast have not seen that movie yet um because it's one of robert Altman's lesser known movies um, but yeah, there are definitely little cameos here and there. There are characters that stick out. Um, and for that reason, I think California split is worth checking out. I had a good time with it. It by no means is one of Robert Altman's best movies. Um, but Elliot Gould's performance is very, very fun. And I think you will have a good time with this movie. Jaws 2, 1978. Wow, this movie is way worse than I remember it being. Uh, I don't know. When I watched this and growing up a few times, I just was able to, you know what, just say, oh, the teenagers are screaming a lot. That's okay. Oh, man, now that I'm in my 30s, this movie drove me a little crazy. Um, that being said, there are some 
good moments in this movie, and I'll talk a little bit about that. I want to talk a little bit about the production. I want to talk a little bit about kind of what was going on behind the scenes in this movie. Uh, this movie returns Roy Scheider, Lorraine Gray, and Murray Hamilton, and there are a couple other characters as well that return here. This movie is missing two very, very important characters from the first movie. One, obviously, because he is dead, and that is Robert Shaw's Quint. And then the second one um, being Richard Dreyfuss's character. So without either of those characters in this movie, uh, they went this route, which I don't entirely agree with, in which they brought in all of these teenagers and cast them in this movie. And they are just, like I said, very, very, very irritating, constantly screaming. You will be rooting for the shark to get them. Uh, that was me most of the movie. But I I remembered, and this is one of the positives for the movie, I remembered a lot of the deaths and a lot of the times when the shark does get the teenagers because it is pretty memorable. And there's one death in particular that is pretty, like, okay, that's pretty horrifying. And that would actually, like, that kind of matches... Uh, 1975's Jaws in terms of like, whoa, that was that was something. Um, but this film, it is trying to be Aliens, uh, what Aliens was for the original Alien. This is trying to do for the original Jaws, and it does not work. Uh, it is trying to be much more action-oriented. You see the shark a lot more. Um, and that was purposely done. Um, the director, Jeannot Swarik, I think I'm pronouncing that right. He didn't make very many movies. Um, he mentioned in my, when I was researching this movie a little bit, that he wasn't, there was no possible way he was going to capture what Steven Spielberg was able to do in 1975. And I see what he's saying there, and I agree with him. It just, yeah, when you don't go for that, this movie just doesn't work. Um, and like seeing the shark so much, I don't know. It, it becomes to this point where the tension is not there. Um, there's no point in this movie where I was like, I'm going to hide my eyes or like, there was no point where I felt any sort of fear or dread or any of those things that I felt even feel watching the first one. And I've seen the first one at least 10 maybe 15 times in my life. Um, and I still feel something when I watch that movie, this movie. Yeah. I don't feel much apart from annoyance. Um, there's this, there's part of this story that would have been so fantastic if they had just gone a little deeper with it. And that is the, how Roy Scheider's Martin Brody deals with the aftermath and the trauma of the first movie. And this film has a couple of sequences that really do go into that. But then that is kind of let go for this teenager adventure on sailboats in the water. And oh no, there's a shark. Um, when it would have been, I think, a little more interesting if they had really just gone deeper with that, with Martin Brody's character. And I feel like that's why Roy Scheider was hesitant to be a part of this movie. Um, from what I read, he really wanted it to be about his character he didn't want to be in this movie and it's just like okay everyone is waiting to see the shark here um he wanted it to be a movie about the characters of this town and unfortunately that is lost um because you just have all of these teenagers that you as a viewer feel are exposable 
or uh, expendable, I should say. <laughs> and you don't, yeah. And you, you just don't care about any of them. And that is um, unfortunate because I think this movie could have been a lot better. It is known as the best Jaws sequel, but again, that's not saying very much. I've only seen parts and clips of Jaws 3D. I've seen Jaws the Revenge and it is just really, really bad. Um, I th- Roger Ebert called this movie movie pure trash, um, while Siskel, I think, ended up giving it two and a half stars. So um, he liked it a little bit more. Um, I have just a couple of interesting things that I found out about the movie. Um, researching it a little bit more before this podcast. Um, originally, I think it was pitched that this Jaws 2 is going to be a, uh, a prequel film kind of ch- telling the story of Robert Shaw's Quint on the USS Indianapolis. I think that would have made for an interesting movie. Um, and maybe that movie will be made someday. Um, I don't know. I, I think that might take away from Robert Shaw's awesome monologue in the first movie. But it could make for an entertaining movie, but I feel like, again, it would be more action-oriented because, again, there's more than one shark. And, yeah, that tension, I don't know if that would be there or not. Um, Lorraine Gray's Ellen Brody was originally supposed to be the one that went out and saved the kids um, on the sailboat, but that was changed. And I talked a little bit about Roy Scheider and how this wasn't really the movie he wanted to make. He ended up getting paid a lot of money. I think his salary was quadrupled for this movie. Um, but he ended up quitting the deer hunter to make this movie. Um, he had creative differences with the director of the deer hunter and he ended up quitting the, uh, he ended up quitting to make Jaws two, which is just like an all time. I feel like that's an all time low, but, um, anyway, I, he, he ended up making this one and he gave it the, the best effort that he could. He was constantly battling uh, Jeannot Swarek, though, the director, because yeah, they just were not getting along at all. And yeah, this film, uh, this film is, yeah, a disappointment. Um, I, I can see why I liked it as a kid. Um, I, I think the action sequences, some of them are pretty entertaining um some of the things that are done with the shark i don't know i don't know what about this movie i liked so much as a kid um it's disappointing to watch it now 10 15 years later um and be so disappointed in a film that i liked so much as a kid um but that's how this works um and that's how that goes so i would definitely not recommend watching jaws 2 Stick with the original Jaws, pretend that no sequels came out, and I think you'll be happy with just that. So, on next week's episode of Ryan's Reviews, I am not going to be reviewing any films. Um, I am going to be out of town, so what I am going to be doing is, sometime this week, I am going to be recording a big fall movie preview. That is going to be next Saturday's episode of the podcast. After that, we are getting dangerously close to October, which means I am going to be attempting to review 31 Halloween movies in 31 days. How far am I in that series so far? I am two movies in, so I am feeling pretty bad about it, but I'm very excited, Um, but I'm going to try my best to watch 31 Halloween movies in 31 days. I have decided that I am going to talk about the list of movies that I picked 
Um, so that is not going to be next week, but that is going to be the week after. Um, I am going to have a completed list. I'm pretty excited um, for some of the movies that I picked out. Some of the movies I picked out, I don't know anything about. Um, some of the movies that I picked out are kind of the last remaining big horror movies that I haven't seen. Um, and some movies I'm actually going to be revisiting. So um, there won't be as many revisits as opposed to uh, new films that I haven't checked out. Um, but I know there are going to be a few of those as well. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Rides Reviews. I will be back next Saturday uh, with a big fall movie preview.